Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and let me introduce to Chicago's WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, Jeff Stein. He's our national and presidential expert, noted author. You can find his books over uh, at uh, totallyiowa.com and Next Chapter Booksellers here in in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, Of course, the Iowa Politics Report and the Iowa Business Report come to us from KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff is currently hunkered down waiting for Santa to show up. Hi, Jeff. I'm really waiting for the Iowa caucuses to be over. Okay. If you really want to to know what I'm waiting for, it is uh, it's going to be a long uh, three and a half weeks, my friend. Oh man, what are you talking about? You're not all of a sudden you're not going to get those calls from national people to say, would you would you like to talk on the air about uh, what's going on in Iowa? See, here's the thing that you have to understand, and you and I have both done this more than a minute. So I fully get that. People in Iowa who hold a microphone are extremely popular for, I don't know, six weeks every four years. And the morning of January 16th, I'm going to be deleted from everybody's phone, probably yours as well. And you just have to understand that's what it is. Don't get full of yourself. You just move along. I don't think you're in my phone now. All right. <laughs> Ditto, buddy. Ditto. Well, no, it, it, you do get... A lot. I mean, there's a big spotlight on Iowa, and that's that's for sure. But I mean, let's I'll tell you what. You, you, you obviously your your straw poll of the the caucuses, the primaries, all coming up here. But we got to mm-hmm. start in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, first of all, I mean, I, I talked about it for the first half hour. What, what's your thoughts on on the Colorado ruling? We have a national race for president, but it's not a national race for president. It is individual states who set their own rules for determining who the electors are. Mm -hmm. The electors in the Electoral College then go to Washington and cast the vote. That's how the process works. It is not a national popular vote. So all of these polls that say so-and-so is ahead of so-and-so nationally, I don't care because that's not how we play the game. We play the game through the Electoral College. How do we determine electors? State elections. If you start having Congress, in other words, the federal government, mandate how each state handles its election, I don't think that's what was intended. So the concept that Colorado can set its own rules for who makes it on a ballot, that part doesn't bother me. Similarly, where you are in Minnesota, Ryan Binkley is a Republican presidential candidate. He has not made it on the Minnesota ballot for the primary. He has filed a lawsuit saying that the standards are arbitrary, capricious, etc. Fine. But that presupposes that each state has the right to determine its own rules and regulations. And that's essentially what has happened in Colorado. I know there are a lot of people who are saying this, this is a terrible ruling. And I'm not talking about the merits of the ruling. But can Colorado do that? I say yes. I, can, you know, it, and they decide about their own elections. I say yes. Well, and reminder too, it, it's you know, there are a lot of people that disagree with this, but there are a lot of people that do agree with it, and mm-hmm. and, it, and it's interesting because it, we'll get to where the Supreme Court's going to go with it. A, a lot of it, I mean, reminder: this was overturning a, a, a previous lower court decision, a Denver court, a Denver judge who basically said, "Oh yeah, that Trump did commit an insurrection, 
but just that the third, the, the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does not apply to the president, which is kind of a garbage argument because it does say if you swear an oath to the country, which the president does. So that kind of is a garbage argument. And that basically opened the door for the Supreme Court to say, well, no, the president of the United States does swear an oath to the country, although it still was a 4-3 vote. And this 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 decision being stayed up until January to allow the Supreme Court to weigh in. The reality is, is that it was always destined to go up there. And now the question comes in on what the Supreme Court's going to do. Well, and again, it comes down to a very narrow issue. And you're exactly right. You have to focus on what the actual issue is. And the fighting issue is, does Article 3 of the 14th Amendment apply to what is, in essence, a state election? That's what we're talking about. There is no national ballot. Because if there were a national ballot, then we'd have uniform poll times. We don't have that. We'd have uniform rules for how soon you can get a ballot and whether you can mail it in. We don't have that. And so you have to first determine if that provision of the federal constitution can apply to a state-based election. And that's that's the whole shooting match right there, frankly. And given that every state has its own rules, even if the Supreme Court, Matt, says, well, Yes, uh, the the 14th Amendment could apply to a state election. That doesn't automatically mean it will in each state because each state has different rules. Is the question, okay, so if they overturn this, and, and we're speculating on speculation at this point, so I, and I understand that. But if the Supreme Court does overturn it, what's their most likely path, do you think, to do so? Is it process, just like I said, and I mentioned this earlier, there's a tendency that on paper things look good, but then all of a sudden it has to be applied and everyone like, okay, how do we do this? Is it process? Is it the question of what constitutes an insurrection? Does it constitute what leads? What is who is a leader of an insurrection? Where do you think if the Supreme Court does knock this down, they're going to come and focus on that one element to knock it down? No, I think it's going to be even more esoteric than that. I think it's going to be: Does this provision apply to state election law? Period. It's not going to be defining. I don't think it's going to be, well, it doesn't say president and he was president, which which I hear from people on the right. I don't think that's the argument. As you said, you swore an oath. Yeah. I, I really think it's going to be, does this apply to a state election? Well, can, can I stop? And, can I stop you there really quick? Because sure, I want to ask course. you can I, to branch that out a little bit. So when sure. they did kick the Confederates in the late you know 1860s off ballots, they weren't kicking them off federal ballots. But state ballots, correct? I mean, it was it was the federal government basically knocking a person off a state ballot. So, I mean, we're kind of in a mess here because it would seem to me now it's a question of whether or not that is a decision solely made by a federal government on what appears on a state ballot because that's kind of what happened before. Or is it, it – did do you know if those cases started – say so say a former Confederate wanted to run in Alabama and the, the government of Alabama said, well, unfortunately, you violated this clause. He contested it and then it, I guess went up to a trial in Congress. I, I, I'm not sure how that went. Well, keep in mind, it's a federal election if you're electing someone directly to the U.S. House or the U.S. Senate. It is not a federal election if it is Hennepin County dog catcher. Okay, and so this is where you've got the distinction. So the whole point of the 14th Amendment was to make sure that those who rose up against the U.S. government did not serve in the U.S. government. And those are federal elections 
Whereas when you're talking about a presidential primary, well, geez, that's virtually nothing. That's delegates to a state or to a, to a national nominating convention, which is why the Republicans in Colorado have said, the, the state party has said, if this decision stands, then we are going to revoke our right to have a primary and we're going to turn it into a caucus because this is only a partisan issue. The key is, how does that affect a general election ballot when it's uh, the, the state election is electing electors? They're not directly electing a member of Congress, for example. And by the way, and, and they call it partisan, but the people that brought this case to kick him off the ballot were Republicans. Well, it, it, you can say partisan regardless, right? Yeah. Because, the, the you know, you and I have talked in Hello Chicago, but we've used the phrase Trumpicans. They're not Republicans. They're people who vote for Trump. I used the phrase Obamacrats in an earlier era as well. So you've got the professional politician Republicans who don't like Trump. Yeah, they'd love to see him off the ballot. That's one of the things that when this ruling came down, well, Democrats probably like it because it's a way to get Trump out of the way. Republicans liked it, those who don't want Trump, because that's the whole point. Somebody like DeSantis, Haley, et cetera, that's their whole point is to say, you can't trust that Trump's going to be there on the ballot go with a safe choice, somebody who's not facing, you know, umpteen felonies. <laughs> but in a twisted way, it's, it's helping Trump as well. well. Every time he gets indicted. I mean, you know, how many millions did he bring in on the basis of this ruling? This oh. is why the, the whole system is, is turned upside down. It's not what you would have expected. Well, no, he's, he's, he's learned that he could create a bunch of Trump fans who basically also vote Republican as opposed to Republicans who vote for Trump. And that, I think that's the key. You know, you bring up an interesting point. The Supreme Court could really, you know, proverbially fall on a sword for the Republican Party and get Trump. This is they could get Trump out of the way right now. They could come on down with this ruling and say, yep, a state can remove him, which I imagine would lead to a flurry of states removing him from the ballot. And 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 you would have that. And and it's of course, I think, you know, Thomas and Alito are compromised. So, I mean, if you want to be critical of me saying it like that, well, then don't take an RV and a bunch of five star trips. Now, they're compromised. Gorsuch is an interesting cat because although he kind of goes along with that far right, he did vote for the, the treaties uh, on that, that o- Oklahoma lawsuit. He basically said no treaties supersede. So he's one of these people that I think that sometimes does find the proverbial you know, you know, truffle. So the question then comes down, and I clearly think the three you know, progressive justices are going to vote uh, to, to keep him off the ballot. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. So the question here is, do you think there's a chance at all that the Supreme Court will say, you know what, for the betterment of the Republican Party, you guys are already reeling still from the overturning of Roe v. Wade. If we get Trump out of the way, at least you might be able to put some semblance of normalcy back to the party. No, because the backlash by the Trump element would be so strong of citizenry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't see them. The one thing you said that, that I want to just kind of sharpen the point on. Even if the Supreme Court says a state could toss a person off, that doesn't mean that they've met the threshold to do it. You've got to then go within the state court and say that this individual committed the insurrection and did this, et cetera, et cetera. So the the only thing I think the Supreme Court is going to do is say, is this a legal vehicle, path, vessel, whatever? They're not going to make the determination. 
So it's not going to be as clean or as quick as you just suggested. And I don't think that's a reliable majority on the court from a partisan standpoint, because uh, they certainly disappointed Trump at various points along the way. Yes, they were unified in the Dobbs case. But as we now hear from the reporting, and it confirms what we heard at the time, you know, um, Roberts was certainly trying to strike a different middle ground until the opinion was leaked. And that tells you an awful Alito. lot about Alito. right there. Alito, yeah. It was Alito. Okay, Chicago, Matt Smart Money has been on Alito from the start. Johnny Five Star and, over there, yeah, he's it, it was Alito. <laughs> you, you can weigh in yourself at the Matt McNeil website and, and issue your online bet and see if he's right. Go team, go. Uh, well, okay, so you, but you brought, the, I'm going to come back to something you said, the backlash. Right. Yeah. Eventually, there's going to be a backlash. If if the Supreme Court rules that no Trump can be removed from ballots by states, if it is deemed the state has said he did indeed participate in an insurrection, boom, mm-hmm. you could do that. There's going to be a backlash. If you know, if somehow, some way, a, another Republican candidate comes in and eventually sneaks and stick, steals away the nomination from him, there'll be a Trump. There'll be the Trump supporters will have a backlash. If Trump mm-hmm. runs and wins the general uh, wins the primary and then loses in the general election to Biden a second time, there'll be a backlash. Isn't this just an inevitable? There's going to be a backlash somewhere. So you know, you can just make the argument. Well, you know, these people are are going to be furious and upset now. So. To a point, doing it earlier than later might be the better solution. Well, what if the U.S. Supreme Court says that Colorado was wrong? You're going to have a backlash from those on the left. I mean, yes, but but my point is, I don't think that they're going to consider uh, we're good Republicans, and for the sake of the Republican Party and the small-R republic, we're going to do this. I just don't think that they're that unified on any issue other than abortion, frankly. Well, but at the same time, though, you know— I can understand. You're, you're right. There will be people who will be upset. But the people that were upset the last time went over, were chanting, saying Mike Pence, beating cops at the Capitol and smearing their feces on the wall. That is that is that is still out there. And it's still being the, the fans, the flame, the, they're fanning the flames of it on the far right media. And that it is something that is out there. That is something that's going to have to be addressed at some point. Yeah, but the problem is there there are so many factions that are, are creating this mess, that it's really hard to predict which way some of them will go at a, at a given point. The one thing you can say for those on the left is they're generally united and have been. You're seeing some, some cracks in that as a result of the Hamas terror attack on Israel. But the bottom line is, I just don't see this Republican unanimity. Uh, I, I just see a very fractured bunch of people with an R by their name. Jeff Stein is joining us. We'll take a break. Come on back. We'll talk about Trump embracing Nazism. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Stars in the sky. Look down where. It is the Matt McNeil Show on a Wednesday. Jeff Stein joining us for his usual Wednesday visit. And by the way, if you're watching the show, it's radio for your eyes. We stream this on AM 950s, all, pretty much all their sources on, on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, all the places. If you did watch it there, you get to do see the AM 950 calendar, which Jeff is kind enough down in Iowa to be holding up there. How, how, how is that calendar for you, Jeff? 
I have to tell you, I was having a blue Christmas, and it had been kind of a rough day yesterday. Uh, Trump was across the street from the radio station, so I went to a different county. Oh, dear and, Lord. <laughs> uh, literally went to a different county and then came back and had to do a TV hit because, you know, I'm that guy. I got home, and what did I see? I saw a smiling bunch of Minnesotans in a Christmas card. So I, I don't know how you paid those people to pose with you. They looked like they were in a hostage video, but you looked happy. I beat the and happiness then, into them. I beat the happiness into them. So that, that explains the bruising. But <laughs> then I saw my AM 950 calendar. Now, I'm fortunate. I feel I'm no longer a blue Christmas. But tell me again, Matt, this pod- how, can, how can people get? Uh, an AM 950 calendar it's of their a, own? It is a thank you. If you go to AM 950 Radio, if you go to AM 950 Radio, uh, there's a, a membership page there. Go check out the membership levels. If you sponsor AM 950, help out the show here, you can get yourself a calendar as a thank you. So, and a so thank you to. Be, I want to make sure I have this right. AM950radio.com, is that where I would go? That's where I, you and would I go. I may not have been clear. Yes. AM950radio.com is where you would go to learn more about supporting the station and getting the calendar as a thank you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing. Whether it's Chicago or Minneapolis, the reality is is that we don't have a lot of progressive radio stations out there, so make sure you're supporting uh, the fine people at all these stations, including WCPT 820 in Chicago, as well as AM 950 Radio, the mothership for me here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Well, the other thing about it is whether you're in Minneapolis or Chicago, the dates on the calendar are the same. Are they? So it's it's universal in that respect. It's, I didn't. I never studied the 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 the, the uh, Caesarian ca- that calendar, the Roman calendar. Is oh wow, the what do you Caesarian know? calendar, <laughs> like the my Caesarian c- calendar. Yeah, All right. there, there you go. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking of verbal faux pas, well, or intentional. Okay, so yeah. you're you, you, Trump was across the street from you yesterday. Yeah. What the hell is with all this Nazi stuff that he's doing, the bl- poisoning of the blood, the vermin? I mean, this is Mein Kampf 101 at this point, and it's not, he's not trying to hide it. Well, here's the thing. He says he's never read Mein Kampf. Okay, let's go with that for the moment. If you wind up using a phrase, let's say I used a phrase in this conversation, and afterwards you, you know, gave me a call and said, hey, do you realize that when you say butterbeer, butterbeer, you say butterbeer, I'll call you up and I'll say, you realize you just use a term from the Harry Potter books, right? Okay. See, I, you had to explain that because I didn't know. Exactly. But let's say that that's a, that's a fine example. <laughs> Caught me way off guard, but okay, that's fine. So I would say, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. I'd better not do it. What I wouldn't do is to come out and you, was it butterbeer? Butterbeer. Yes. Yeah, butterbeer. Okay. I wouldn't come out the next time and say butterbeer. Now, I haven't ever read Harry Potter, so I don't I don't I don't know anything about that. At some point, shouldn't someone have said um that's sort of a Hitler reference you may not want to use it. The response you would think would be, "Oh, jeez, I didn't mean to do that." Instead, he says, "I've never read Mein Kampf, but let me directly quote from it." Yeah. That's not a very smart move, but again, Let's say Matt McNeil is Donald Trump's campaign advisor. I can see it. And you can you imagine getting him to do anything that you well, wanted him to do? You and I talked a few months ago about the fact that he at some of these rallies, he doesn't seem well, that he is going off on these rants and these tangents. And he at times is just not making any sense at all. And so there's a question there. 
the reality, I, I mean, clearly someone behind the scenes thinks the path to success here and winning the presidency is cosplaying Adolf. And, I, you know, regardless of where it's coming from, it's really hard in this country to hear someone basically extol the virtues of a Hitler reference in their campaign and not every single person in the country absolutely jumping down his throat. The fact that so many Republicans are avoiding talking about it, the media, you know, kind of coyly plays around and doesn't call it what it is. He's quoting Hitler. And if you, if you're doing this, I mean, that, I mean, I understand the whole Colorado ballot thing, but if there's something that should disqualify you from office in this country, you'd think it'd be quoting Adolf Hitler. Well, didn't we rail against those who were supporting Hamas in general? You know, I mean, again, what's the whole point of the Hamas terror attack? Targeting Jews. Yes. We say that's a bad thing. Yes. Okay. The other thing, though, and this was interesting. I was asked, well, what do you think he'll say? Because the ruling in Colorado came down 20 minutes before he took the stage in Waterloo, Iowa. I figured he would tee it up. He did not mention it. That tells me without any knowledge, that his team did not tell him about it before he took the stage. Oh, yeah. That's why he didn't reference it. So if the team is worried about giving him bad news that he could leverage into a big show on the stage, what do you think they're doing when it's a reference like this? Do you think anybody is saying to him, uh, Mr. President, you shouldn't say this? They're not even telling him about something that everyone in the audience saw on their phone in a news feed. Do you think part of what he's doing with the Hitler reference stuff is basically preparing that if he does lose a presidential election a second time, he wants the ugliness of America ready to go? And because he feels maybe he feels as if the the problem back in January 6th, the last time wasn't I didn't have the worst of the worst there. I need more vicious people to go and do it. I mean, I, I for the life of me, I can't figure out where he's going with this outside of he just trying to ingratiate himself with the with the, the worst of the worst of the far right. I don't think it's as complicated or as diabolical, I hope not, as, as you're suggesting. I think it's it's we're trying everything. You know, he he's he's now embracing uh Black Lives Matter because one of the founders was saying, well, you know, Trump did more for black people than anybody else. It's this desperate, I'm going out for any group of people I can, never mind how inconsistent it is, and never mind how repulsive it may be to others. Because I'll walk away and say, well, what are you going to do, vote for the other guy? And that's no way to run an election or a country. Well, I I think it's bad. Don't quote Hitler. I mean, mean, for God's sakes, things I didn't think I had to tell people today, there you go. Uh, Jeff, uh, we will talk to you. You're going to be joining us on the 29th for our special year-end review, correct? Twice the time, twice the fun. We'll talk to you then. Hour two, that's coming up next.